So I have been doing a, a series on the ten paramis, or the requisites for enlightenment. Uh, many of you have just joined us to just say what the requisites for enlightenment are. Uh, these are the really wholesome forces in the mind that support awakening, liberation. They're the qualities of heart and mind that the Buddha, before he was a Buddha, uh, spent was said to have spent lifetimes bringing to fulfillment. These are qualities that are said to carry us over to the other shore. I quite like that description. Um, and they're qualities that, you know, when we work with, pay attention to, we start to gain more access to. And they're really natural qualities that are present when the mind is not filled or run by greed, aversion, and delusion. The paramis themselves are generosity, virtue, renunciation, wisdom, effort, patience, truthfulness, resolve, loving-kindness, and equanimity. I love the list. I mean, you know, if you just each, with each word, bring it to mind, you can feel the lightness of being, the joy in the mind. These are qualities that are what give support to the intention or motivation that James spoke about the other night. These are the qualities that support mindfulness, so it can really do its work help us to gain greater understanding so we can access our natural wisdom. So the word in Pali is kanti. And it usually gets translated as patience, but like many of these Pali words, that's a kind of a limited understanding um, especially if we don't have a great relationship with patience and means that's where you got to really just bear it. You know? And that's really not what this quality of kanti is. You know, it can be described as patience, forbearance. It has overtones of loving-kindness, compassion, gentleness, tenderness, receptivity. It also has a suggestion of humility. Did I mention I'm talking about patience tonight? (laughs) Might have skipped that bit. But that's what it is, so here it is. Uh, Of patience, it said, no greater thing exists than patience. It's also been said that the road to awakening, nibbana, is paved with patience. And that patience is the highest virtue. Wonderful as it may be, it's usually the lesson we don't want to learn. The Buddha said that it's really something we won't know is really present unless we're in a situation of adverse conditions. And that's when we really know 
if this quality of patience is present. So in my own life, you know, it it seems to be the lesson that gets learned when nothing else is being learned. You know, when we just are at a loss, but there's this willingness of heart to keep looking, to keep seeing, and we will find that patience is coming forth, being learned. It's said to be the most difficult of the paramis. And that difficulty was evident to me in that when I first began teaching, I thought, oh, patience, it's such a great subject. I should write a talk on it. It took me seven years to be patient enough to write that talk. (laughs) And it continues to be a great exploration. You know, whatever intention came forward for us the other night when James was speaking, at, you know, that intention becomes a guide rail. It becomes something that supports the direction of our lives and then needs to be supported by patience. Because this journey of awakening This journey of wakening up to our inherent goodness is not so easy, is fraught with difficulties. The habits that we have are so deeply ingrained that sometimes it just feels like an impossibility to wake up, to break the trance of these states that we get so sucked into and identified with. And so this is where patience becomes essential. Patience is what helps us to stay in relationship with difficult experience, where we just don't throw in the towel. You know, patience is you know why you're probably sitting here, you know, probably many of us have, even over the course of today, had challenges. And if we didn't have some degree of patience, you know, we'd just get up, we'd leave, we'd do something different. But because of patience, we look at what's happening, we inquire, investigate. Patience is the opposite of anger, aversion, or impatience. You know, where uh, anger and aversion just can't tolerate things not being the way we want them to. It becomes irritating, where we don't have patience with the unfolding of our journey. being on retreat, we so often get faced within ourselves with impatience in how things are unfolding. We think we should be able to do better. We think we able, should be able to have a sense of progress 
getting somewhere, getting something, and get very hard, critical, cruel to ourselves when we don't meet that expectation. It tends to cut our energy. And you know this is very much supported by the instant culture that we live in where we want things, you know, to be easy, quick, here, now, right now, to be fully liberated. You know, I've seen it in my own journey. I had a friend who once said to me, and it was a great thing that she said, she looked at me one day, and, you know, I must have been very impatient in, in what was happening on my own path. And she looked at me and she said, you just want to be in full bloom all the time. And, you know, it's really true. There was just no tolerance for the times when the mind is confused, doesn't see clearly. And yet, until we're fully liberated, this will happen. We find on retreat, we get impatient, irritated with our fellow yogis. You know, people who make noise when we want silence. Uh, people who walk slow when we're in a hurry, Uh, waiting for our interview and it's late, and there's just this sense of impatience, irritation. And, you know, it's such a challenge to be with that energy. And when we can't be with it, or when we find that we're not really touching the capacity to be with it, we move into blame. Um, It becomes someone else's fault that seems easier to bear than to really be with this energy of irritation. We find that situations in our life bring about impatience, aversion, looking at traffic jams and how they affect us. Or just being in a store and having a long line to wait in. No, it's, it can become like the end of the world. That it's just is so hard to remain present. So patience becomes, you know, it becomes like a balm. Uh, Trungpa Rinpoche. Uh, a Tibetan teacher once referred to it as grace. And when we start to touch into the sense of patience, we do feel its grace. We feel its kindness. We feel its tolerance that you know isn't that tensing and bearing something, but that can allow things to be difficult. Not so long ago, I uh, had a day where I was about to meet with someone whom I had had quite a strong altercation with. And, you know, on my part, I had said and done things that I'd regretted, that, it, you know, for me, there had been difficulty in receiving what the other person was saying. And so I was really kind of enmeshed em- or close to this feeling of anger, impatience, uh, no capacity to be with that which, which had been difficult. And time had gone by, and so there was a softening, there was a looking. And then I picked up a book by Shantideva 
for those of you who've been here for a few weeks, I've mentioned some teachings from him before. But uh, just to briefly say something, and I also learned something new about him today, which I found quite interesting. He was a, a great teacher in India in the 8th century. He was at Nalanda University, this very famous university where there was um, great scholars, practitioners who were in the various uh, traditions of Buddhist teachings and a real coming together of great minds uh, in the Buddhist world. Well, Shantideva apparently um, was very independent and he uh, was by many seen as being very lazy. You know, he wasn't falling into the normal scholarly role. And, you know, many people had judgments about him. And then one day he got in front of the monastic assembly and he gave this discourse on what now we, we, we get a book called, uh, you know, The Way of the Bodhisattva. And it has just profound teachings in it. And it said that, you know, he just got up there, spontaneously gave these teachings, and then he evaporated into the sky. (laughs) So anyhow, here I was. on this day of not evaporating into the sky, but being very much with this mind and its entanglements. And reading the chapter in Shantideva's book on patience. I don't know if I can convey this, because it was quite a profound experience. But what he suggested three ways of strengthening with patience. And I'll just say them, and I'll then come back again to my little story. But So he said ways of strengthening patience are to um, reframe our attitude towards discomfort, to recognize or understand the complexities of a situation, the complexities and challenges of being human. And patience being strengthened through developing tolerance. When I read what he had to say, which I'll explain a little bit more, um, what came through was his tenderness, was the level of empathy that he had for the challenge of being human of deeply wanting happiness and then through ignorance, not seeing clearly, seeking it in misguided ways and doing that over and over again, being thrown about by the habituated mind. And his heart was so soft and tender in the scene of that. There was no sense of someone saying, you should be different, you should be better. But it was just like, wow, this is hard. Be kind. Look and see if you understand that it's difficult then you'll be 
far less inclined to just retaliate to that difficulty with aversion and anger. That in seeing this, there can be more kindness, compassion. You know, the, the gentleness of patience. And actually, seeing the way things are is said to be the proximate cause for the arising of patience. And sometimes in practice we really get a sense of this. You know, when you have a moment where you're just sitting and it's really quiet and still, and then you remember something that really pissed you off, and anger just comes, and, you know, out of the stillness it comes with such force. And it's like, wow! You know, we get a sense of how deep these habits are. And, that, you know, that's, that's at moments, you know, certainly for me where patience has come forth. It's like, yeah, this is, this is big stuff. It's not just a little ripple on the ocean. It's got deep roots. And, and then, you know, there just comes this tolerance and we're not so demanding. And we don't give up in the same note. You know, we still stay steady, but with a much greater kindness and sense of empathy. Shanti Deva also said, "Without pain, we would never long for freedom." these adverse conditions, not that we want to seek them out, but when they're there, they help us to wake up. And again, I saw this in a very mundane level. I once lived in a beautiful area in Australia. It was along the coastline in a subtropical area. Really beautiful climate. Um, And it was easy to see how one could get so complacent. You know, the pleasures of life, these temporary pleasures that don't lead to, you know, a deep freedom of heart and mind were so plentiful that, you know, why would one do anything different? And yet that was all temporary and conditioned. You know, I learned that when I had to leave, (laughs) when I moved away. (laughs) So when difficulties come, they can both help us to strengthen patience. And they, it's in, in moments where we're entangled that actually there is some remembrance, some sense of possibility that one can be with difficulty without being bound by it, without being limited fragmented by it. And so we use the difficulties. And so this is the first of what Shantideva pointed to as a way of strengthening patience. To reframe our attitude towards 
discomfort. You know, I spoke about attitude this morning. How, you know, to see uh, in our attitude, if it's fueled by greed, aversion, delusion, to see if our attitude can really be just to learn, to see, to understand things as they are. We can really learn from whatever arises. And so if we have difficulties on a mental level, you know, a day when there's a lot of sadness, loneliness, frustration, irritation, not defining oneself by it, but looking to see what can this teach us? How can we be with this? How can we have this open relationship with these states without being confined by them, without being caught in the identification? You know, so often, you know, you pick a day where you experience even a couple of these, you know, sadness, frustration. We start to create a self-image, a story around you know, we, we dredge up memories from the past that support. Oh, I'm a sad person, depressed, you know, just feeling wallowing in these states. But if we change our relationship and really just look toward these states to see if we can just know them, let them speak to us. You know, to me, practice is so much a sense of listening, receiving. And when the mind is just steady there, wisdom, understanding comes. And so our job, to stay interested when it's difficult. To look, investigate. Sometimes the challenges we face will be physical. You know, we can arrive on retreat and suddenly get sick. And, you know, we waited all year for this retreat. And now we don't have the energy that we thought we would. Or we're sitting, you know, cross-legged and our knee swells. And we can't sit the way that we usually sit. This can all be used as a part of our practice. We, we don't need to get rid of this. But this is where we stay in relationship. Keep looking. You know, we can learn so much from what this body goes through. You know, that it, it is subject to sickness, old age, death. And a lot of that is really unpleasant experience. It will help us to see where we're identifying with this body in unhealthy ways. Where we begin to see that this body is just like everything else, subject to impermanence, needing to find a wise way of relating to this body. So that when unpleasant experience is arising, 
it doesn't mean we're a failure, no good, that we can't do the practice. So when we're being with a body that's in pain, that hurts, that feels like it's failing us in some way, to see if there we can be tender. We can really just look, listen, feel. What's the mind reacting to? It could be a desire for control. And we just can't control this body. Not wanting unpleasant experience. Defining self by the condition of this body. On retreat, our challenges might be provided by our fellow yogis. That, you know, when they do things that irritate us, that we don't find easy. Noticing that voice of blame and not following through on believing those thoughts to be true. But really looking at what's happening here. What can we learn? How can we be with this? If judgment is strong, to know judgment. To see if we can be with the judgment without becoming, identifying with the judgment. Looking in our experience to see What is so intolerable? What is it that we can't accept? Because this is where freedom is possible. Where we can see how it is that we keep getting caught in these places. And when the wisdom is strong enough, the letting go happens naturally. So reframing our attitude towards difficult circumstances. The second way of strengthening patience that Shanti Deva spoke of is recognizing or understanding the complexity of the situation. And this is recognizing or understanding the complexity of karma, of how you know, deep habits take hold, and that when these habits are really strong, 
in mindfulness, wisdom isn't strong enough, that we will act out of these habits. And the conditions for doing so can be very complex, very hard to see. And when we don't see them, we just find, you know, in those moments that we're run by them. It's so easy to, in ourselves, to see how we can get triggered by, you know, sometimes we might carry, uh, have been in past circumstances, maybe as a child, where someone had a type of personality that we found overbearing, dominating, and as a result, we had a certain reaction. And then we meet someone else who has a similar personality. And, you know, without even having any sense of who they are, we move into that same reaction. You know, and it's just coming about because conditions come together in a certain way, and that response is there. As we see that complexity, that helps to strengthen patience. You know, as I mentioned, it's, it's like, it's not easy. That's okay. Can we be tender, gentle? Can we understand that others too act out of ignorance? And that we all have this deep wish to be happy, but we have these misguided moments. And that we don't need to throw people out of our hearts simply because they had a moment where they were identified with anger, where they acted out of anger. There was um, a description from Shanti Deva's teaching that I thought, oh, actually, um, it says, if those who are like wanton children are by nature prone to injure others, what point is there in being angry, like resenting fire for its heat? And if their faults are fleeting and contingent, oh dear, fleeting and contingent, if living beings are by nature wholesome, it's likewise senseless to resent them. As well, be angry at the sky for having clouds. I'm not sure I quite got that. <laughs> but I think I'll just kind of go to my interpretation. Um, that we all have this essential goodness. And, you know, likening it, that essential goodness to the sky. And that, you know, for a moment of someone being caught in anger is likening to being angry with the sky for having a cloud in it. Accepting that people do things for mysterious reasons and it's not always evident. 
having patience with it. We all get caught in confusion. The third way of strengthening patience is from developing tolerance. And this is a tolerance that has the tenderness towards the human predicament, towards ourself and others. An acceptance when we might feel like there's imperfection. An acceptance of differences that you know, each being manifests different things at different times. And that this is okay. This is the way things are. Now, tolerance is where we meet the difficulty and there's this softening rather than the reactivity. A tenderness of heart. The acceptance of confusion, not seeing clearly. Not always sitting in the wisest place. But knowing this is a part of the journey of awakening. To see the confusion. To know the confusion. And out of that, we wake up from the confusion. We, can, we find that we can have gratitude towards those who provoke us because they help us to see where we're not yet free. My friend that I had difficulty with was teaching me to see where my kindness wasn't yet based in wisdom, where it wasn't coming from the depths of how things were. Helping me to see that I could still be provoked. That, you know, that there is still a reaction when someone saw me in an unfavorable light. The Buddha is such a role model in you know, all of these qualities of the requisites for enlightenment. He exemplified them. And I always you know, tend to think of the Buddha as, as, as being someone whom you would meet and you would just know he was realized and out of that there would be complete respect and that everyone would feel that. You know, that's the fairy tale in the mind. Uh, but the truth, the way what happened in his lifetime was actually quite different. And there was many people that were irritated by him, that uh, treated him unkindly. And... The stories, you know, so often portray how 
patient, how kind he was with people. And one of the stories that I really love is where there was a man who came to him and and he was very angry with the Buddha. He was calling him names and he was really trying to rile him up through harsh words. And the Buddha heard him out. You know, he just listened to what the man had to say. And then at when the man seemed to be finished, the Buddha asked him uh, whether people ever came to visit him in his home. And the man was kind of surprised because it was you know, a, a change in subject. And so he said yes. And then the Buddha asked him if people ever offered to feed, if he ever offered to feed his guests. And the man said yes. And then the Buddha asked him, what would happen if they refused to accept the food? Who would the food belong to them? To then. And the man replied, of course, it would belong to him. And then the Buddha very calmly and kindly said, in the same way, I do not accept your insults. They remain with you. And this is what can happen, you know, when we embody these qualities. That this was a great teaching for this man and helped to wake him up. And the Buddha, just by exuding this patience, calmness, kindness, and being able to say this in a loving way, you know, where how many times have you maybe said something that could have wisdom in it, but it comes with such an aversive edge, there is no way the recipient is going to be able to receive it. Patience really helps us to bring a caring attention. John Ciardi, I don't know how he pronounced his last name, but he was a poet from Boston. He once said, patience is the art of caring slowly. And there's you know, this tender, caring respect that's in patience. Patience is really, you know, where we can't see the truth in a moment, but we can respect that the truth is still there. And so we don't respond from anger, aversion, reactivity. It helps to give us a bigger framework to hold our difficulties within, where we're not just defining self by these difficulties in these moments. We develop an inner strength that can endure when someone might provoke us, say bad things about us. We're not seduced by the anger. And this is, you know, we we start to, as it strengthens, feel this balm-like nature of patience. Know where maybe you're sitting and for the 999th time in a day 
self-judgment arises. But when it arises, you don't just judge the judger. You don't just move into reactivity. You see, oh, this is where we can have kindness, acceptance. Patience is what helps us to accept that which seems unacceptable. If we explore what impatience is like, it's a way of that impatience turns to patience because impatience is so painful. Just notice it in the course of a day where it arises. Really feel what's happening there. It's very painful. It's a strong place of feeling separate, fragmented, not okay. And then what happens when instead of fighting these feelings, we relax with, look to, we reframe our attitude. We allow these states to be held in the tender heart. We find that patience on a social level helps us to work with adversity, to be able to hold differences, to be able to communicate more effectively. And patience really leads us to developing a great compassion, a compassion for others that we have empathy for this predicament, this situation, for how challenging life can be. Patience helps us to accept discomfort without exacerbating it. It helps us to accept others as being fellow human beings. And it helps us to accept ourselves, even with our perceived imperfections. And to remember these are only perceived imperfections that it's these imperfections, I mean, perfection according to who. You know, we, we tend to hold really high ideals in our minds that we often fail to live up to, meet up against. But this perfection, one of the greatest teachings I had about perfection was from a Zen master, Hogan Dado Yamahata, that I practiced with. 
um, I was doing, it was my first retreat with him, and he taught koan practice. And uh, it was the first time I'd ever done koan practice. And I was quite excited in doing this form of practice. And so uh, on the first day when he gave a koan, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I heard the koan and I sat with it. Um, and then at one point, it seemed like there was an answer. And so uh, it happened to be a time where you could actually go and have an interview with him. So I went into an interview and I sat down and uh, I told him the answer to the koan he'd given us. And then he looked at me and he said, what was the koan? And so I told him. And he said, I didn't give that koan. <laughs> and so you know, I was kind of embarrassed. <laughs> and I left. <laughs> and then, you know, it was the next day. And he came out with another koan. And I don't know if you're familiar with koans, but they can be very profound questions. And when I heard the one this day, it was like, wow. You know, and I was again really inspired. And then I was sitting there. And, you know, a couple hours later, I couldn't remember what the koan was. And again, it was time where you could go in for an interview. And so I did. I went in and I told him what had happened. And, you know, by this point, he kind of looked at me and he rolled his eyes. And he said, just go and sit. Go and sit perfectly. And I kind of took it in. And I thought, hmm. And then I looked at him, because, you know, this was my experience. I said, you know, you've just given me a future. And he said, what? And I was really puzzling him by this point. He said, how did I do that? And I said, well, you know, if I'm going to go and sit perfectly, it's going to take some time. <laughs> and he just looked at me. And, you know, in this, it was one of those moments. Everything else in the room disappeared. And he was, there was these two brown eyes just beaming, laser beaming through me. And he says, perfection now. <laughs> we don't have to improve upon this moment. We can know it as it is. It's perfection now. And patience helps us to learn this. It, it's, you know, this great strengthening in the heart where we don't abandon ourselves in the face of adversity. You know, that we can stay noble and true, even though we don't have understanding. We just aren't giving ourselves over to the anger, reactivity, aversion. It's very empowering to touch into this quality. This is from Shantideva again. The stream of suffering is cut through by patience. There is nothing inappropriate in this. 
This journey of awakening, it's difficult, challenging, it's awesome, amazing. With patience, despite the ups and downs, we can use all of these experiences to awaken. the discovery of the noble heart. So let's just sit for a moment. May all beings come to know the virtue of patience, the grace of patience. So closing with the chanting of the reflections on the sharing of blessings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.